It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 159, entitled XML Files Are Fun. It was recorded on Monday, the 19th of April, 2021. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Lacey, but this week by Tim Nash and Michelle Frechette as we discuss the WordPress news from the previous week. And as always, there's a lot going on. We talk about the security update. WordPress 5.7.1 has been updated and Tim gives us a lowdown on why this might be important. There's a vulnerability which needed patching. We also get into the topic of full site editing, how that has been given the go, no go, go label and what that all means. We also get into to the subject briefly of the the fight, the discussion between Matt and the founder of Wix and how that's developing over the past week. Also, there is a new round of full site editing outreach and we discuss how you can get involved and what it is that they're looking for. Over on the robertjacobi.com website this week, we talk about the fact that HeroPress have adopted the Hallway Chats podcast, and so it's now got a new home. And then we get into the subject of Zerodium, the company that will pay for your exploits, and they are now paying $300,000 for WordPress core vulnerabilities. It's all coming up on This Week in WordPress. This Week in WordPress is brought to you by Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud hosting platform that ensures simplicity, performance, and security. It offers cloud servers from five different cloud providers that you can manage through its intuitive platform. Some of the features include 24-7 support, free migrations, and dedicated firewalls. Check it out at cloudways.com. And by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Tests in record time? like in a couple of minutes. Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder and the WordPress block editor. You can check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello, we're on episode number 159 of This Week in WordPress. I am almost crying with laughter. I don't know if either Michelle or Tim managed to see that. If you're watching the little icons of Paul, Paul Lacey basically dances during the little intro music. Only this time he was uh, he was dancing and, you know, giving it some muscle at the same time. It was very Showing entertaining. Guns. Yeah. Very. I don't think Tim and Michelle see it. I don't think, no. I think it's only you that can see what's going on. Oh, in that case, I know why. Oh, it's I'm my favourite one minute of the week, honestly. Oh, that's the lovely. bit where the music comes on, I love yeah. it, because I, I know I can get a rise from you. <laughs> it works every week. Anyway, we're on episode 159 of This Week in WordPress. We're not here to talk about Paul's guns. We're here to talk about WordPress. But um, if it's okay, I am going to hand over to Paul. Um, Paul Lacey obviously joins us every week as the, as the co-host. Um, Paul, it's sort of become a bit of a tradition that you introduce the guests, so I'm going to let you introduce our guests for today. Yeah, hello everybody. So today we've got Michelle and Tim, so I'll introduce Michelle th first. Uh, Michelle Frechette is Head of Customer Success at GiveWP, which is the donation plugin for WordPress, and um, also 
works in the customer success team, working with fundraisers all over the world to make a better place, to make the world a better place. I'm really fudging this one today, aren't I? I've been spending too much time messing around dancing. Anyway, part of that is helping customers evaluate their websites and researching what works to convert site visitors and supporters to donors. And there's a ton of other stuff that Michelle does as well that she hasn't written in her um, intro here, but I'm sure we're going to get into some of that later on. Uh, Tim, I'm going to try and do a better job for you, dude. Uh, Tim is a WordPress security geek. He is generally found yelling, update all the things. He helps organizations stay safe and secure on the web through consultancy and training, including public workshops. Very nice. Well, thank Sorry, you. Sorry, Michelle. That's okay. <laughs> um, Michelle is, it's very early in the morning where Michelle is and her office environment yeah. is full of people coming in and making coffee. And it's, uh, it's, it's quite nice to actually see because the rest of us are stuck in rooms in our house, I'm presuming, and you, you're actually mixing and mingling with other people, which is nice. We're all vaccinated, which is a wonderful thing. So Nice. Mm -hmm. That is nice. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to share my screen if that's all right. And we'll get stuck in just a couple of bits of sort of, uh, I don't know, advertising, I guess. Head over to wpbuilds.com. That's the website where we produce all of our content each week. I'm going to keep this really simple. Um, and if you go to this page, wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe, then you can uh, find all of the places where we put that content and subscribe to newsletters and YouTube channels and all of that good stuff. But I would like to mention this. Um, this is something that I'm um, organizing with a good friend, um, Anshan LaRue. It's called the Page Builder Summit. We ran it in October last year, and it was it was really well received. I was really pleased with the way it went, and so we decided we'd do it again. And if you're looking at the screen, you can see the dates. It's on this year from the 10th to the 14th of May. And I'm trying to encourage people just simply to go and click this button and join our wait list, um, and then we'll be able to notify you when it's actually all happening. So that's pagebuildersummit.com and get yourself signed up. Okay, let's get actually stuck into the proper news from this week. I didn't have a lot to say about this one because um, it, I, for some reason it didn't, it didn't captivate me, but it's captivated Tim. So I'm going to just briefly say that you should update all the things in capitals, which Tim is nodding at, very good. And um, and WordPress 5.7.1 rolled along this week with, with a considerable lack of fanfare, I might say. It really sort of eclipsed me until it had happened, that it was going to happen. But it's a security patch. There's a couple of things that have been mentioned in the article that I'm linking to on wordpress.org forward slash news. But I'm going to let Tim take it over because it sounded like he had more to say about it than I did. So, Tim, the ball is in your court. Okay. Well, the reason that I find this one particularly interesting, and it connects to a couple of things that maybe we'll talk about later in the episode as well, is that this is one of the few times where there is a WordPress vulnerability that doesn't require you to chain a lot of things together to exploit. So one of the particular exploit that is interesting to me was the XXE exploit, which many people who hear various acronyms might not have even come across as an, as an acronym. And it's the XML external entity exploit. And basically, it's using an XML document to extract data from your computer, such as, or rather from your server, such as, I don't know, your DOP config file or slash <laughs> et cetera, slash password. For example, yeah, yeah, these sort of things. And how this particular exploit works is that there was a bug in the media library, uh, 
So XML is a very, you think of it as just a text document, but it's a very powerful data format. And one of the things you can do with it is you, you can, in your XML document, say, I want to get information from this other XML document or from this other source. And that can be an external URL, or it could be a local file on your machine. So if you, you can set, upload an XML document to a server and say, pass this, and then also get the information from this location. And depending on um, what's passing it, it might well go, oh, yes, that's fine. I'll grab that information and display it to you as part of the XML document I'm building. So this can be quite powerful and scary. Now, the exploit used the media library, and it's specific to PHP 8, because basically within the media library, uh, you have MP3 files, which you can upload. And inside MP3 files is an XML document, which is ID3 metadata. Uh, and that metadata uh, basically allows you to, to have information about the author and bits and pieces. Why this is fun for me um, is that I was hacking around with ID3 metadata like 13, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and, for a, and for a BBC Hack Day project, we actually exposed the same uh, metadata and effectively the same sort of exploit, but the idea to build a web server out of on an MP3 file, so that you could just serve HTML content or XHTML content from the MP3 file. And that was sort of Whoa. what we were doing 12, 15 years ago. So when I saw it today or look, last week, I'm there going, hey, that's really cool. It's the same exploit being used in a different, obviously a malicious way rather than an interesting way. Um, but yeah, the, the moral of this story is XML is incredibly powerful and that includes SVGs. Don't just let random SVGs upload, just like you wouldn't. And just be aware that XML is quite dangerous and fun. And, um, and but this is all now patched and fixed, and everybody should be happy once they've got to 5.7. Well, I mean, there's probably a whole yeah. range of other things which are as yet undiscovered. But... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it was only exploitable if you had PHP 8 on because of the way that the config fags work. Someone thought they did something that it didn't do. So. Okay. And, wow, Tim. And you do it's... need to still publicly upload the MP3 file. So it wasn't that easy to exploit, but it was a, It was more that it was just a really interesting attack vector. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. And uh, just really, really glad that you're on to explain stuff like that because I think uh, I think I would struggle uh, without somebody like Tim. So thank you. That's really good. Good to know. So go and up update. I'm sure you have done that already. But if you it, it also it, really shows you that there are different levels of geekiness. Like there is the I can program my VCR and there's XML files are fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see. <laughs> and now we know where Tim falls in that spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if, if there was a XML spectrum. XML files are fun. Yeah. <laughs> that is the episode title for this week. XML files are fun. Somebody write that down quickly. XML files are fun. We'll call it that. Already decided it can't go any better than that. I like it. Um, yeah. So that was on WordPress.org, and we're going to flip now to Paul. Paul's going to introduce. Actually, Paul, during the, the last couple of minutes, has managed to grow a dog. Um, yeah. And just I back to the 5.7.1 thing. Is it, you know, we always just dismiss that as like, yeah, it just means you can update the thing now without it breaking or something. There's nothing much in there. 
but there is you know the, these these point releases have got some re- super important things in them and that we just totally miss there's so much going on under the you know behind the scenes with this you know yeah. wordpress and stuff that we just most of the time ignorant to in terms of my dog news uh this is i was just saying uh just before the show actually my dog's just come back from the groomer so she's had a she had a haircut and um she's totally attached to me so when she comes back from the groomers she just goes crazy on me there's absolutely nothing i can do apart from just cradle her and just reassure her that everything is okay don't worry you're back you look good um so so apologies that the dog keeps poking her head into the camera i literally can't stop her can and, I just uh, say, I'm now yeah. completely torn. I've got two possible titles already. I've got XML Files Are Fun or In Terms of My Dog News, <laughs> which, yeah, yeah. which is also a, another poss- possibly great working yeah, title. You've you got to go with the title that pulls in the biggest audience. So yeah. you know, there's, there's, some, there's some proper niches there. So, yeah. you could, you know, so we should, we should split test this with your plugin, AB Split Test, to be honest, Nathan, shouldn't we? See which, no. see which one pulls in the most millions of users. <laughs> so in a minute, she'll calm down anyway, but we can move on to this one um, in the meantime. And so what we knew last week was that um, some of the top um, brass at uh, WordPress.org were meeting to discuss whether or not full site editing would be put into core WordPress in version 5.8. And there was a meeting on April 14th and Josepha hayden Chomposi was in it and Matt Mullenweg was in it and some of the other people that are listed down the page were in that meeting. And first of all, just to say, it was actually super interesting because they recorded the meeting and this is just like a normal Zoom call with just some regular people talking. But these people are making a really super important decision for the future of WordPress and the direction it goes. And you get to sort of see what the dynamic of that kind of conversation is. And, you know, they, they forget almost e- immediately that this, this, this is called and this, this is recorded and that people are going to be watching this. So it's really interesting just to see how that, that conversation goes at that level. Anyway, the news is, is that the majority, as far as I understand, of the features that they were talking about putting into 5.8 from full site editing have been approved to go in with some things that have been not approved. And I think the reason is, is that they feel confident that they can get the majority of these things done by version 5.8. But they, one of the reasons they want to get it in there is so that the uh, third parties and the rest of the community community can start playing with this uh, full site editing thing and seeing if they're seeing how people can creatively plug into it. Um, one thing that I think we have to sort of um realize now is that it's happened it's happening it's going to be in core so whether we like how it works or not um i've tried it i've done i was in i kind of did some of the volunteer testing and i didn't really like it that much how it worked but i think if if they are getting it out to the third party um to and the rest of the community to develop this and i'm pretty sure that i can see some of the the companies and some of the different brands and some of the individuals uh, working on this in a, in a way that is going to make it all super nice and useful for us. So it seems that full site editing will be something that will be there that you can use it if you want. And I imagine third parties will adapt it to make it more usable for us kind of mere humans and everything. But it's going in. And uh, and so there's probably a bunch of things that I've missed in there. Um, Tim, especially you kind of have a lot more uh, knowledge, I think, about these kind of core releases and everything. But apparently it's going in. 5.8. Thank you. The um, 
the video was quite interesting, wasn't it? Because as you said, it, it quickly became just a chat amongst what mm. I'm imagining a fairly... Well, I imagine they're quite close to each other. They probably speak to each other quite a lot. So it did. It had that... Had that well, it just felt like me and you, Paul, having a bit of a natter mm. on a Friday afternoon. You know, it was uh, yeah. it was really nice to watch. There's a couple of pieces, though. The first one that I'm that I'm showing now is on make.wordpress.org. Um, all the links, as always, will be in the show notes when this comes out tomorrow. But also, oh, that was quite interesting. There's the full site editing version on the um, on the WP Tavern where Justin sort of sums up everything that went in there. Uh, there's the video itself, and he talks about the fact that there's this page template editor, which he was sort of quite keen to see in, um, and various other bits and things. And and then some random dude dropped in a comment, which was the only one. Um, Apparently that was the top comment. That was the top comment. Everything else just got mm-hmm. deleted because it wasn't as worthy as mm. Paul Lacey's comment. Incidentally, Paul, good good job with the uh, with the gravatar there. I don't know okay. where that comes from. <laughs> Gravatar.com in, yeah. in all likelihood. Um, anybody got anything to add to this? Excited about this full site editing 5.8? You can't not be excited. I know. So I actually really like the, the, the page templating idea. It seems like yep. really nice. Um, boy, is it confusing. Yeah. There's menus everywhere. There are buttons everywhere. And it's got no consistent language style to it things are renamed and repurposed and but what what i yeah it i it, a lot of this will be ironed out so it's it's not very unfair to look at it and go no and it, it, it's just they're doing a lot better job at communicating this stage than they did previously there was a lovely comment on the video where helen just sort of said you could see see that they've been nattering away for a little bit and helen just suddenly goes <gasps> I know this is being recorded, but and then goes off, <laughs> off on a. I was like, yeah, it's really nice to see that they're at least trying to communicate this properly this time. And one of the things that was mentioned in the call was this idea of having a labs or uh, something to differentiate it away from the term alpha and beta to explain that this is still experimental and that this is going to develop and grow over time. And I can't help but think if Gutenberg had come in with a labs comments attached to it and they'd ran with classic editor and gutenberg side by side more easily to switch between and it and gutenberg had been in a labs phase then there would have been a much better reception so i think they've they're doing quite well with this idea that at least they're communicating it better even if i'm still there going i don't know what any of the buttons do and i'd be terrified to press anything because yeah they, screw it up. they they did make the point that um that there is going to be a lot of renaming because a lot of the the they used a very clever word nomenclature. A lot of the nomenclature has been um, has been kind of like it mucked up, shall we say? And and words that really that people who are experienced with WordPress probably use are unfamiliar to people who are now suddenly going to have to start delving into editing their own sites, headers and footers, whereas before they just installed a theme and it took care of all that for them. So that was quite interesting. And Peter Ingersoll has dropped a nice comment in it saying, yeah, it was really interesting to watch Matt Giuseppe and the others candidly discuss WordPress. And I think you're right, Tim. I think they have actually taken a taken a, you know, taken on board all of the comments that were made when post Gutenberg, where that just kind of got dropped and a lot of people were really, really, shall we say, cross about it. Um, because there wasn't the feeling of consultation. And I don't know in all 
Honestly, I don't know what they could have done more than an hour and a half's video to demonstrate that they were talking about it and discussing it. And, you know, you may disagree with the decisions in certain parts, but at least they were publishing it. That That is their decision-making uh, process. It's basically a boardroom with the doors flung open. And, um, and I, I commend them for that. That was really great to see. Michelle, have you got anything to add on this? I mean, I'm coming from a, from a non-developer standpoint and just love the fact that two of the six names involved in that conversation were women and, you know, how I am about representation. And so I think that's great. I would have loved to see it be three out of six, but two out of six is a good, a good start for sure. But as far as everything else goes, I can see a lot of us spinning up sites just to play before we ever start to do anything with production because... As you say, when you start to change the nomenclature, you start to change the way things uh, behave, especially with page builders and things like that. We're going to want to play with it a lot before we understand how it really works. Yeah, it was really, uh, I can't remember if it was this piece. No, it's a piece that we're going to come to later. So I will pause on that um, and we'll, we'll segue if that's all right. We're going to segue to mm -hmm. something which is slightly different from the... The, the order on the sheet. No, it's not. It's been changed. That's fine. So here we go. Now I'm going to hey, firmly. Just, uh, oh, sorry, Paul. Sorry, can, I, wanna... can I yeah. just uh, add one thing? I just wondered um, uh, how how long has Josepha been in the role that she is in? Six in years. WordPress.org? So in as as that particular role. Yep. Yeah. Because it just seems to me that um, I didn't. I mean, this is so ignorant of me. I didn't. I'd never heard of her before about a year ago, which is crazy, right? Um, but now, like in the last six to nine months, I just feel like she's communicating to us all so much. And I think it just, just, it's just really following on for that comment about how they've improved communication. It seems that Josepha has done something or made some decision or some people have made some decision and she's followed that up and said, right, I'm taking this on now. I'm gonna say things and invite response and so I just uh, think she's doing a good job uh, with with whatever. I wasn't sure if she she just was new in the post in the last couple of years or something. But yeah, something's changed, and she's so she feels accessible now. She feels uh, mm -hmm. the whole system feels ex much more accessible than it was with the yeah. whole Gutenberg thing. Like so. when well, when oh sorry, Michelle. There's two reasons that transparency lacks in most organizations. One is it's deceitful right so we try to hide trans we try to hide things and be transparent the other is that things happen so quickly and things happen so rapidly and there's so many people involved that transparency falls by the wayside and i think that neither of those things you know were intentional i don't i don't think that there's a lot of deceit in the past and i'm sure that's there will be people who will disagree with me on that but i also think that when things happen as quickly as they do with as many people involved as there are in the open source project that transparency actually becomes a burden because there's so much involved in making sure that everybody knows what's happening. And I think that Josefa has done a really good job in the last, as you say, nine months to a year, perhaps even a little bit longer in making sure that it's actionable, that the transparency is at the forefront and that nothing is hidden and therefore assumed deceitful as opposed to assumed overlooked. Yeah. she. Um, so she took on the role six years ago and there's obviously um, much that I don't know about all of the work that she does, but I did, by coincidence, recorded a podcast episode with her a few, I don't know, probably about six weeks ago, something like that. And um, and she made the point that she went on kind of like a six-month, I'm going to say binge, for want of a better word, a six-month binge trying to figure out what, what had been miscommunicated after Gutenberg. 
Um, and and I don't know who she spoke to and what that process involved, but she deliberately made it her um, made it her cause to to figure out what had gone wrong. And just in these last few weeks, she's been everywhere. You know, she's got a new podcast which she's producing every few weeks, which explains on a high level what's been happening in the last couple of weeks. That's commendable. Loads of blog posts coming out on make.wordpress.org. She's appearing on lots of um, podcasts and she's so, so communicative. Um, it's amazing. And so I think I think she's doing an incredible job. Can you imagine how busy she is uh, on a day-to-day -day basis and still makes the time to write blog posts and record a podcast and go on other people's podcasts and all of that? She, I think she must really spend a very large proportion of her waking time doing yes, this. She's and... a genuinely nice person. If you've ever yep. met her face to face, she is actually just a very genuinely lovely person. Yeah. Yeah. So bravo. We've had a few nice comments. Um, so um, Daniel, thank you. He said that he thinks that uh, appreciates the transparent communication led by Josepha. So, mm -hmm. okay. All right, we're going to pivot slightly, moving away from the, the community. Now, this this is a story which I'm just going to put it on the screen because the screen's not showing at the moment. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to turn this one back over to Tim because it turns out in our pre-record pre um, conversation, Tim knows significantly more about this than I do. This I'm just going to paraphrase it. The Google, I'm going to say Google, and forgive me, Tim, if I get this wrong. Google have this initiative called Flock, F-L small O-C, and it's a way of kind of making it so that you can be tracked but not tracked. So instead of being pixeled and individually um, pixeled so that you are uniquely identifiable, I feel that it's more about putting you in a pen with a ton of other people and saying, your behavior looks like you are this. And you will be siloed in that little pen. Maybe it'll have a tag or a number or something. And for a couple of weeks, ads will be served to you based upon the little cohort that you're in and the, the, the behavior that you've displayed. And then every few weeks, you'll be recycled and you'll go into another little cohort because all of a sudden you've been searching for holidays instead of dog food or whatever. Um, but you can imagine the security, sorry, not the security, but the concern amongst the community because this, whilst it might not allow people like Facebook to gather data, it feels like it's giving Google all the cards in the deck and tim just pull to pieces everything that i've said because i know i've probably Can butchered I just, it horribly. Uh, add one thing to that because mm. i i don't really understand what this is so i'm really looking forward to tim telling us um but i can see on the make.wordpress.org site in the core section that and i don't know if this happens every time there's a new post that everybody is discussing it but the amount of comments on this is quite significant so Whoever does know about this, clearly uh, it's a big talking point. And so, yeah, sorry, Tim, over, over to you. I just could see there was so much discussion going on in here. And again, this is one that probably went past myself and Nathan as something we probably just didn't really understand that much. <laughs> so, so, yeah, if you could okay, help fill so us all in, that'd be great. To, to sort of put this in perspective, um, at the moment, if you run a business selling uh, pet grooming kit and you want to advertise to pet groomers, so you go on to uh, Google and you get some ads and you say, I would like to target people who have dogs. And 
I don't know. And are, and are male and are 23 and, you know, what, however you want to set it up. You set up your adverts and it runs and you get targeted adverts and you can, so you're spending your money and you know that your advert is going out to dog lovers. How that works behind the scenes is that Google uh, has basically has managed to get itself on enough sites where it's collecting information about you and it uses a, it basically uses a cookie to do that. So it's your cookie across these multiple sites. Now, so do uh, many others do this. Facebook, every major advertising platform uses cross-domain cookies. The thing is, that's creepy as anything. And we don't like that as generally as a community. It's like, well, it might be great that, you know, the dog groomer gets to advertise directly. But what, when, what about when they start doing it about your sexuality or baiting on other targeting? This isn't good. What happens when I'm going to certain sites that I just genuinely don't want to have associated with my profile? Um, in that, those scenarios, we, it's all bad. So basically, browsers have all pretty much agreed we're going to drop this ability to do cross-domain cookie. Now, this included Google, uh, but Google obviously don't want to lose their ad revenue, so they've come up with the idea well, of Flock. And a Flock as a name come, is weird because they've basically come up with a bunch of other technologies that have all got bird names that are all related to advertising. And then Flock is a way of unifying it. You can see someone spent a lot of time coming up with the acronym rather than the, necessarily the technology protocol. But yeah, that tells you that marketing was involved. Yeah. <laughs> it's big money. Yes. But what you said before, Nathan, is pretty much at a spot on. Uh, the idea is that the browser itself will start to collect data. So this would only affect customers who are using Chrome or a Chromium-based browser. Now, people, oh, for example, Brave is a privacy-focused browser, and they basically get their, their code from Chrome. Now, they've said, okay, we're going to take out that feature, funnily enough. Uh, but somebody who was, say, using Firefox, this just wouldn't affect them, because Mozilla have no intention of putting with this sort of targeting into their browser at the moment. But Google is pushing for this to be a standard across the board to provide a semi-privacy conscious, it's not privacy conscious at all, it could easily be abused to get um, this sort of half anonymized targeting in place. Uh, now, the proposal in WordPress is to say that Google have said that, you know, if you're a website and you don't want to be involved in this, you can opt out by setting a uh, permissions policy header. Uh, so, and it, within that, you can specify that you don't want to be to uh, advertise uh, to it. So basically, anybody who comes to your site won't be tracked by the system. Sort of, we promise maybe, yeah, we don't always obey headers, but we'll try to remember <laughs> this the best we can. Now, this is the equivalent of um, the, the plans for the destruction of the planet are downstairs in, in the toilet and, you know, locked in the cabinet with the beware of the panther sign. It's the same sort of level. It, it, this isn't something your average person is likely to go and do. Set up a HTTP header using a particularly new type of HTTP header. Permission policies, headers are relatively new. It's just awkward. It's not an easy way to opt out. So the, the proposal on WordPress.org is that WordPress should automatically opt you out. Now, it's worth emphasizing this is a proposal by one or two people. This is not yet a thing that is going to happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can sort of see why it might not happen. There is obviously uh, lots of politics involved with big companies who are um, pro and against this sort of thing. But the bigger part of this was that the suggestion that this should be released because it was a security issue, not mm. necessarily just a privacy one. Now, for some people, they argue it is a security issue because your website would be leaking potentially personal information out. The counter argument to that is the persons whose information would be leaked would be leaked to Chrome, which they've opted into, so it isn't really a leak. Um, But the bigger argument is, should we be using the security release system to release features and backport features across? Um, And that is a blurry line that most people seem to be arguing over whether it's right or wrong. Uh, If you go through those comments, and I know I've put a comment in there, um, there are lots of other people in the WordPress community Seven, lots of them are very pro this and saying we should implement this as soon as possible. Uh, a few more uh, are saying we should implement this. This is a lot more complicated than you think. Uh, and then there's another group that are saying this is not necessarily a issue for WordPress. This is a issue that could be opted in via a plugin um, if you want to do this. Um, I, I sit in the this would be a very cool feature to have. I don't think it should use the security release mechanism because the last thing I want is uh, we had both of you on earlier saying how wonderful automatic updates are, how you didn't know anything had happened. Well, that that whole making sure it just works, that we don't add new features, it just fixes bugs and it just fixes security issues Mm. is vital because if we start fiddling and saying, we're adding a new feature to your site, even though you never asked us to. Mm. Then website owners might go, well, okay, that's great. I don't want Flock. But what if you start ramming Gutenberg on me? <laughs> Do you want that? Yeah. And yeah. the answer is going to be no. So they're going to turn off their updates. And that could actually cause a genuine security issue. So I'm more, from my perspective, that's the thing that worries me of this proposal is that they, yeah. someone is going to say, no, I'd rather turn off my website on principle, uh, turn off my updates to my website on principle rather than have the potential where this line disappears and gets blurry. Yeah, um, it just takes like a little rumor like, Google oh, did you hear you evil. should turn off your updates? You know, and, and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people will be like, yeah, I heard that you should turn off the updates because of this thing or whatever. And, uh, oh, okay, then I'll, I'll do that. Should I do that on my website? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, my friend told me you should do that. And then, you know, that spreads and uh, they can't update all the things then. I'm, I'm really just curious. Imagine 1% turn off their automatic updates. Yeah, that's 1% a lot. 1% of 40 minutes. <laughs> that's a lot of uh, websites. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I think we might have some sort of audio overlap thing going on here apologize to those people listening who are listening to me just constantly interrupting people i do apologize the um the thing that i'm curious about is a i i I think this is quite a neat idea the idea of kind of de-anonymous or anonymizing i should say by putting you into cohorts now i'm not sure what the cohort size will be i'm guessing if you're in the I don't know, um, I like pop music cohort, you're probably going to be in amongst millions, possibly billions of others. But if you're in the I like chihuahuas and something else cohort, then it might be considerably smaller. And so your anonymity might be might be lessened. But the 
the thing I suppose which gives me pause is that this is going to be in the browser. I'm, I'm sure they'll communicate it to those people interested, but I'm just slightly concerned that Google, in the in anonymizing it, they're anonymizing it for everybody else except themselves because, well, I don't know the technology behind Flock. I'm guessing there'll be checks and balances, but still it puts Google in that very dominant position in terms of advertising. And you can, you can imagine the Facebook browser hot on the heels of all of this, uh, a Chromium-based browser built by Facebook just to, get them, just to get themselves back in the game. Facebook are taking it from every angle at the minute, and I, I feel like, um, like this is just another, another hit at them, which, you know, fair enough. Michelle, anything? I mean, I'm always torn because my background's in marketing and I like access to information, but I'm also an individual who likes my privacy. So it depends on which side, which, which part mm. of the conversation I'm on. But yeah, I guess I can see both sides, but I really err on the side of privacy. It's a really interesting one because if you go back, let's say 20 years to prior to the internet. It's also worth internet. remembering oh, that. Oh. No, I do. Uh, Tim, I think you and I, for some reason, I think we're, we're like seconds apart from each other. You carry on. I apologize. There's, there's a massive lag at the moment. But um, it's uh, worth emphasizing that the browser itself can be fin fingerprints you quite e neatly and your interest groups will fingerprint you very quickly. You might be one of millions interested in pop, but your specific interests in um, that thing you did at the weekend, when, which you'd rather not talk about on air, combined with your current location because you Googled the opening times for your supermarket, combined with uh, your map results search, combined with this and combined with that, suddenly those interest groups, you might be in individual interest groups for each one of those, but the combination of that is very targeted. It wouldn't take very much to identify you as an individual from those interest groups. Got a comment, a comment, a nice comment from Chris here about us talking over each other. Before we began the call, Chris, it was pretty obvious that something was broken. I don't quite know what's happening, but I can see Tim in real time. He can see, I think, me in real time. But for some reason, we're out of sync with each other, and so it, something peculiar and a bit strange is going on. Yeah, my this is to Michelle. I'm curious about this because the promise of all of this stuff in the marketing arena is that the hyper-targeting of everything will lead to a significantly better experience in terms of the end user because we'll receive ads that are potentially of more interest to us. Also, it will reduce spend on the advertising side because you'll, you won't be throwing money at a television ad, which is mostly at, you know, for people who've got no interest in the product that you're dealing with. Have we reached this kind of nirvana state? Do we do, Have we got to the point where it really does this advertising stuff is working in our benefit would you say because you, you were sort of conflicted over whether or not that was that was good or not so as a marketer it's it's wonderful of course right but as a consumer isn't it creepy isn't it creepy yeah. when you've done some browsing and then suddenly you're being served ads for things or or you know i've seen people say well all i did was talk about it near my phone and suddenly i'm getting ads for xyz um you know and, and is it something that if let's say I have a I'm using a browser with family and I've been searching things 
I'm a 52 year old woman, I'm not having any more children, but let's say that I'm worried that I'm pregnant and I start to mm -hmm. search things about pregnancy and I start to search things about clinics and I start to search for OBGYNs and I clear my browser, but the next person that comes in is starting to get served up ads along those lines. At what point is, is it safe? You know, and at what point is my privacy uh, more important than being served an ad? Yeah, again, t talking about going back 20 years, if, if we reround the clock and, I don't know, let's say 80 years or something, there's no way that people are going to be able to give up television now. Television is just such a mainstay of everybody's lives. It's quite normal. I'm just wondering how far the, the cat is out the bag with all this fingerprinting and technology to, to allow marketers to do their, do their very best to make sure that we see exactly what they want us to see. And so what I'm really thinking is, is how hard is it going to be to make the argument that this stuff is scary because it shows, you know, in my case, I really do see the benefit when I go onto Google. I do genuinely see advertising for, for the things that I want to see. It's very rare that I'll see something which is utterly, wildly, outlandishly off, off my radar. Um, so the privacy conscious amongst us see, see privacy violations all over the place and we just run scared and, the you know, the sky is falling in. But I don't know if that's what the general population believe. I'm, I'm sure I, that maybe most people just don't care. It's fine. I also wonder, you know, I often wonder about incognito browsers. And I know that my incognito browser can, you know, spare the other people who may be looking at my computer. But is incognito browser really that incognito from Chrome? Do they still know it's me? Do they still serve me ads that I, for things that I search there? I don't know the answer to that because I haven't delved in far enough with that and you know, Tim's smiling he might have some information about that <laughs> but um but I can see a lot more incognito surfing in the future if we start to feel creeped out by the ads that are served up to us just as a question there Tim I, I hope that your audio Tim's refreshed the browser so maybe things will have repaired themselves I don't know um I'm curious on your setup Tim what is it that you use to browse the internet on a daily basis It looks like there's still a lag. I think Tim can't <laughs> hear a word I'm saying. I don't know. Yeah, uh, what... just at that one second, he, he he just went off at the end, but I'm pretty sure he said something along the lines of, uh, what browser do I use? That's right. What's your, I don't know if you can hear me okay, Tim, but it was, uh, what is your so setup? Go mute. I don't think this is that. I don't think he. Well, uh, do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow Tim. Who cares about the, the lag? It's fine. We can sit here and listen to five seconds of silence it's not the end of the world i'm going to ask that question again tim um i'm just curious because you have a real posture on this what do you use i'm on brave i, I for the life of me I, i've kind of been assured that that's a pretty good option if i want to block certain things but i don't really know okay so if you're really privacy conscious, there are really there are privacy specific browsers. Uh, Brave is one example. Um, Brave is run by a company, so uh, whereas something like Firefox is run by Mozilla, who are a um, non-profit organization. Personally, I use Firefox for my day-to-day -day browsing. Honestly, I don't need to have that set up particularly. I don't have too many other. I have a ad blocker on there. Um, but actually, at home, I use something called Pi Hole, which is a, uh, 
a little service that runs on a Raspberry Pi that does a lot of ad blocking for everybody in the house. That way, I don't need to worry about having to configure tablets and things to use special bits. And it also means that, you know, my daughter uh, doesn't like, I don't have to sort out her stuff as well. So um, that's how I set my bits up. But nice. don't use so that's some... the answer. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, indeed. Okay, well, that had, wow, that was a fascinating little chat. Thank you, uh, everybody that participated in that. That was lovely. The um, We're going to go on to the story that keeps on giving. This is the story um, of Matt Mullenweg and Wix. I feel that this may go on for, for the, well, certainly it, it's the, we've had serve from Wix with their advert. I'm, I'm using a tennis analogy now. You know, they did a real big wallop of a serve. Matt steps in, does a big forehand with his rebuttal piece that we're looking at at the moment, where he called them out for, in inverted commas, um, to quote Wix and their dirty tricks. And then this week, we had the, the CEO of Wix, Avishai Abrami, and I hope um, I haven't butchered his name. He he did a, a reply this week, and I read it, and I just kind of feel that it was a sort of. Obviously, I'm coming from the WordPress side of things. There is that I've got this history of really enjoying WordPress, so I kind of want to defend it. But I felt that this piece really was kind of like a deliberate attempt to to sort of divert what what Matt has said. He kept going. Matt kept talking about the GPL, and the guy from Wix sort of seemed to miss the point deliberately, almost like it was deliberate. It's not that he doesn't understand what's going on. But um, I was just curious if anybody had any thoughts on this piece and uh, and whether they'll be moving over to Wix in the next couple of weeks. Well, they didn't send me headphones, so... Uh... Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's okay. Actually, Chris Lama sent me new headphones that are better than than that. But anyway, the whole idea behind this, I think, was, you know, this volley back and forth. Clearly, it was just for Wix to get, you know, get in the news. Um, and I don't think that they ever intended to sway anybody that they sent the headphones to. They just really wanted to create a big splash and have people talking about them. But one of the things that I found interesting about that this rebuttal was, you know, they talk about the fact that, well, no, your content, you've always owned your content at Wix, it's your content. But they still never address the fact that you can't get it out of their system without just copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. So with with WordPress, you can export you could import into lots of other places. We've made it portable. It's easy to get your information out. Um, yes, sometimes you have to know how to do it or hire somebody to help you if you, you know, if you're just if you own a site and don't understand how to use WordPress. But with Wix, you literally have to copy and paste all of your content. It's it's not something that's easily to easy to export or available to export at all. Is it really? Clearly... About, it's, yeah, really. You've got to do that. You've got to go to each page one at a time and and copy and paste it. So you okay? I didn't. There's no I there's didn't. no export feature. You cannot just export your content. Oh. And the design okay. for sure. The design they own all the designs. So there's no, yeah. you know, there's no exporting anything that goes there. So even if you've customized some things like that, you're going to lose all of that. Yeah, it says here, I'm going to quote uh, from the piece. It says, in your recent post, he's di di directing this comment at Matt, in your recent post, you wrote that Wix makes it difficult to leave for customers. But this isn't true. If someone wants to cancel the subscription, all they need to do is click the button, cancel subscription. If a customer cancels within 14 days of a purchase, then getting a refund is automatic. So I'm not sure what you meant. Well, that it, He's clearly what, what, being obtuse. I mean, cancelling is not the same as getting your content out. I mean, right. 
Matt meant difficult to leave. In fact, I thought he was really clear about it. He meant get your content, not cancel your account. And clearly that's, you know, he's just right. deliberately. And he addresses, he addresses that in the next paragraph down. If you see where he's like, that yes. it locks your content or steals it. No, of course you can always copy and paste your own content, but you can't export it easily. And that's what yeah. Matt was talking about. Yeah, exactly. So I feel this was a, a bit of a fudge. I mean, they're a commercial company. This is what they mm -hmm. do, right? They try to keep you in there as long as possible. But anyway, Paul or Tim? Yeah, they're, they're coming at, you know, that first of all, it's um, this is just part of probably part of Wix's entire plan for the whole campaign, which is just it's playgrounds, playground stuff. It's like, let's go and see if we can wind up that group of people over there and then we'll have a fight. And and then, you know, and it's like the, the the kind of lieutenants start first sending headphones out to people and eventually the two leaders are facing off and there's a scrap in the playground and everything. It just and and basically nothing is resolved. It's a waste of time. And eventually the next day someone else is talking about something. It just seems to me that that Matt has, you know, been uh, goaded into making a response and his response was probably quite predictable but the way that wix is attacking the, him back is just subverting the concepts that matt is talking about and putting it from their own perspective and yeah there's definitely some things wrong in the ceo of wix's response um but it's just a waste of time mm -hmm. it's just a it's a waste of these people's time to be doing this in in my opinion and and I don't, I just cannot see what this is achieving, even from Wix, just, to, you know, from Wix's point of view, they're, they're getting people to talk about Wix in the community. But to, to what point? There is no point about this. I don't, I just don't get it. It just seems, I don't know if there is, you know, shareholder stuff going on. There is kind of, you know, a big deal with Wix coming up that's like, yeah, we need to create a load of buzz and it will help our share. Uh, share um, value go up if we create a load of buzz or something. I don't know, man. It's not even interesting. I don't, you know, this kind of thing, this kind of thing, you know, should be interesting. We should be finding this really entertaining, but it's actually quite boring. The responses are kind of like, well, you've got an export tool. Well, you can cancel your account at any time. Oh my God, come on. Can we have a better drama than this? Sorry, I don't know. Don't know what's going into there. There's a bit of PT Barnum in it, though, right? About like no publicity is bad publicity. As long yeah. as people are talking, you're relevant. And so I think there's a a sense of that about it. And I think that that's what Wix's purpose was in all of this. Mm. I agree. I don't think they're going to sway very many people. I think that their ads on YouTube long before this were probably more enticing to people who didn't know about how to build their own website than trying to get involved with a, you know, a, a slinging match between the two of us. Um, dare I say Tim, let's see if Tim can <laughs> hear me this time. <laughs> no, I, I can hear, I can hear you the whole time. I just can't reply anytime soon. Just wait five seconds. Um, yeah, no, what everybody else is saying, I don't really understand why we're talking about it. I have done for 20, 20 <laughs> minutes, to be honest. Let's move <laughs> on. Giving them airspace that we don't need to. Yeah, I think, okay. I think we should move on and 
kill this story from, Let's from kill now it. on and you know because it's Boom, just, we're, just, we're just falling into the trap and talking more about yeah uh, okay. we're just giving a rise out of the wordpress community in which case we will move to this piece which is squarely where we want to be this is um over on um wordpress sorry wp tavern this is a piece by justin called fse outreach round five venturing out a query quest and this is to say that Anne McCarthy, who is a developer, one of the automatic developer relations wranglers, she is in charge of the outreach program for full site editing. And she's now on kind of round five. Um, she's done various things like create a custom 404 page. And we, we've talked about these in the past. She lays out clear, simple instructions for, for what she wants you to achieve. And then the idea is that you go and try and achieve it and give her some feedback. Um, and now we're on to round five with the, the query block, which is going to, I feel, be one of the most important developments in the block space, well, at least in core blocks, where you can obviously create different queries and you can um, you can have it pull different things out of the database and display them in different parts of the site. Justin, it was Justin who wrote this. Yeah, it was Justin. He he uh, typically he sort of got stuck in and he decided to go soup to nuts with it, and he found a bunch of problems, things that he didn't wasn't able to achieve. And then Justin, being Justin, he thought, right, I'm going to figure out the answer, and I'm showing on the screen what he was able to pull together. It looks like a really nice. Um, it looks like it's a really nice sort of development. Like I said, I think it's going to be one of the more important things in the future. So really, this is a call to action. If anybody's interested in checking this out, I don't know what the the date is by which submissions should be in. Can't remember what that date was, but if you click on the links inside the post that we'll link to in the show notes, you'll be able to go and, and have a bit of a play and probably run into some problems on the way. They're talking about getting rid of the word query, and I've forgotten what the word is they were going to substitute it with, but something much more common and sensible whereas query to me is it makes sense to to us but it perhaps wouldn't make sense to a, a regular user and they've decided they're going to call it something else but i have in fact forgotten what it was so over to you guys if you want to discuss this one stories like this um often get you know thrown around in my local meetup where people start to wonder if wordpress is becoming more and more difficult or complex is probably a better word to use and i think just the one thing i would point out in this is that um, no matter what gets added to wordpress just because features are put out there doesn't mean they have to be used so this might be a beautiful feature it might be something that we really enjoy using but if you're starting out and you're building your first website it's perfectly fine to build a simple website without using all of the bells and whistles that we tend to keep putting into something like WordPress. Because something is a robust tool doesn't mean you need to use all of the features. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, really good point. Um, Paul? Uh, I, just, I just find it interesting that they're uh, trying to come up with new terminology to help us all understand it better. And because we, I think there was, there was a mention of that in in one of the other posts that we covered today where there was some new terminology that they were using for something. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm wondering how easy it's gonna be, for instance, to reuse some of these templates, so queries. I assume it's gonna be inherit, kind of have an in inheritance sort of um, way that it works. And I imagine that it's gonna follow the um, the WordPress file, hi the structure, the hierarchy of structure, how it works. So if you, for instance, only 
edit one uh, file in the full site editing, like index, the equivalent of index.php, then everything else will inherit from there. So it'd be interesting to see how that works because what we've seen in full site editing in other systems like Beaver Thema and things like um, Headway Theme from way back and uh, Elementor has got stuff and Divi, I think, as well, is that you we are given a very human-friendly user interface to, to think about these things. We can create a template and then we use a, an interface of inclusion and exclusion to decide um, where this template should should live. And anyone who, who's built, you know, parent themes before child themes were even a thing, you know, remembers the, uh, the, the template hierarchy. And you can see that reflected in this UI, but most people don't know that that's been reflected in the UI. Uh, but you can see that it's there and that's what it's calling upon. So I wonder how they will um, approach that because the, when I've looked at the full site editing demos, it, it does take you back to a kind of virtual file system from what I could tell when I was testing it. But yeah, I think that it seems that they're doing things to to make it more accessible. But I do think last week we saw this theme called uh, Michelle. Actually, the theme was called Michelle. Yeah. And um and this, this theme that had come out um, was kind of starting to leverage some of the full site editing aspects, not in the way that, that this is doing it, but it was kind of allowing you in the customizer type view just to, to have created some block patterns or something and then set that block block group or whatever as your header and your footer. So I just think that, you know, they're putting this thing in the core and then, and then whatever theme that comes out with its whatever new name that is kind of commercially viable, we'll figure out a way to make it so through a wizard or something like that. You set your site up, it's hooking itself into the full site editing, but it's taking you through a wizard. That's how I think it's gonna, how this thing is gonna roll out. And I think that um, the for anyone who is thinking about um, doing products in the future around you know themes and stuff like that, it's definitely worth them taking a look at the results of this full site editing to see the shortfalls and to see Hey, that, there's the opportunity. That's they're they're not going to do that, are they? They're not going to fix that for people. They're going to leave that like it is, and they're going to put that in core, and that's it. It's in there now. So okay, we can go and fill that gap now. So I think it's um it's cool from that perspective uh, to see to see where they're sort of drawing the line and and wherever they, where they're hoping other people will pick things up for them. And I'm going to say the word Tim, and then we're going to wait. We're going to wait a really long time this time. <laughs> I don't think Tim, I'm not sure if Tim can hear us. It's the most peculiar thing um, because Tim can, I can see Tim's move. I can Tim see Tim's lips moving in complete sync. So something weird about the audio side of things. Yeah, he's giving me um, Tim, if you want to comment on that, I will, uh, I will shut up again. But if you, if you don't wish to, then yeah. I will uh, keep talking. Uh, just to say that the particular query block is quite cool because if you look at all the Gutenberg block collections, they all have a recent posts one and they all work slightly differently and none of them work particularly like the query pro if you do WP query. So for the people who are more dev focused and for people who are used to how themes work, actually you're going to get on with this block a lot more than perhaps you would do with most Gutenberg blocks. Um. Thank you. The um, 
I guess the the thing to be mindful of is that WordPress are not trying to build the perfect solution, are they? They're trying to build something other people can hook into. And like Paul said, leave plenty of scope for third parties to come along and add different features on top. And But this is going to be the groundwork of how you do it in the future. And presumably, there'll be a real shortcut for theme developers to to put this stuff together because you'll just build on top of what's already there. So anyway. I think it's that's... the right way to do it as yeah, well yeah. because, you know... Um... The, if the, because the, because you know one of the the scary things for me about this whole system has been, are they going to, you know, really um, railroad us onto we have to do it, you have to do it this way, but if they do keep things quite conceptual, at a, at a base level and do let everybody build off that, then I, f I feel like we're all a lot safer and we've got a lot less to worry about, and again it just leaves people gives people choice it gives people a new a new option. And I think um, I was talking with Anne McCarthy on Slack just last week after the after we'd had the show, and seeing you know the big hosting companies um, building their platforms, seeing the likes of Elementor building in what looks like a cloud solution, and then seeing Wix and seeing Squarespace and all these kind of uh, huge brands and huge companies trying to lock us all in. That there is a always there always will be this open source option for us to use in any way that we want is great, and that's why I think they should keep things simple. They don't need to push Gutenberg and Foresight editing too far into being a full solution that end users can go. Oh, that's just, oh yeah, I get how that works. That's easy. I think that they they just develop it and make it as a stable platform for. The product creators to build on top of and the people who want to learn it and and michelle made a good point of course is that you can always just do a nice straightforward site you can just create blog posts and you know mm -hmm. have things in a in a with a regular old archive and all of that kind of stuff so mm. yeah yeah good point just content yep. just content we just it read is. it on web pages that's it it is yeah. content um which segues nicely into this, actually, because this is content. Um, this is on robertjacoby.com, and it says um, that HeroPress has been bought. Bought? Wrong word. What's the right word here? We said it earlier. Um, Acquired, adopted. Adopted. Yeah. adopted. Yeah. We, I think adopted. adopted is the right word, isn't it? HeroPress have adopted mm -hmm. hallway chats. Um, it says it, it isn't an, an acquisition per se, does, do you guys listen religiously to hallway chats? I have a I have a laundry list of WordPress podcasts that I listen to, and this is on that list. But it, from time it, to I, time, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. And um, and I'm I'm really pleased to see that it's not going to stagnate. It's quite interesting. Kate DeRosia's comment, though, she's um, she's going into this with her eyes wide open, but it's not necessarily something she um, envisaged herself doing. She said on Twitter, uh, "I'm not going to lie, podcasting was the last thing I thought I would ever do that I wanted to do." She's very 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 honest about it and yet the universe has a sense of humor and so they're going to be taking it over and in the same vein Topher, uh Topher de rosia said i've always wanted a podcast for hero press and then hallway when hallway chats came out i realized it was the podcast that i always envisioned so now i'm really happy to have them connected so um it looks like it's going to instead of it disappearing off the face of the earth it's going to some excited stewardship with people who hopefully are going to take it over and if you if you follow the hero press side of things then you'll know 
that they put an awful lot of time and effort into that. So they seem like great stewards of this, the people that have got the energy and passion to to keep it going. Michelle, it sounded like you you've, you're a bit of a bit of an advocate of this or a fan. I'm not sure. Absolutely. So, mm. I mean, I have a podcast, as you know, and I tell stories about people. I let I and enable people to tell their story. There were press stories through WP Coffee Talk. And people have actually approached me and, and said things like, well, isn't this encroaching on your space? And isn't this like, you know, uh, uh, something that people are doing something that's that's you're doing too. And, and what's that and competing with you? I said, well, first of all, there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of stories in WordPress, and there's plenty of room for us to tell them all. Secondly, no, of course not, because <laughs> there's a different style. There's a different way we, we present things. And there's, you know, some people may cringe at the sound of my voice, but they'll love listening to Kate do it. So, you know, it's it's all beautiful and none of us are in it to make money. I mean, if I could make, you know, a living doing podcasting, I think that I would be an entirely different person than I am today. But the whole point is that there's so much room and there's so many stories to tell. And the fact that we all get to do it, I think, is a beautiful thing. And I think that Topher and Kate have done a beautiful job in allowing people to tell their stories through Hero Press to put an audio component to that where they continue hallway chats and marry those things together, I think, is beautiful. Mm, nice. Paul, Tim, yeah, Hallway Chats is is a nice a nice podcast. I mean, that's a that's an awful word because it's such a bland word, but it's a it's kind of a very relaxing listen. Hallway Chats, and I think they um, historically with Hallway Chats always specifically would try to find people that you'd never really heard of in WordPress space. Like it was all those unsung heroes, or not even necessarily the heroes, just just people who you might meet at a WordPress event or something like that and brought those uh, brought those voices and those those stories to to be able to listen to and I, I always found it a really nice listen and um, I think it's really cool that it's been taken over by Topher and Kate and I mm -hmm. think that I know that they're going to do a great job and um, and they're super psyched about it as well so yeah. and it completely just builds upon the success that they've had with hero press and um i hope that not only just you know doing it for fun or whatever it is that they're doing it for i hope that it brings all sorts of different facets of benefit to them as the people bringing these stories forward i know it will it's just these kind of things just bring opportunity uh to the people who are guests and the people who are the hosts so it's really good news really good news and, and a new lease of energy being injected into the whole podcast Okie doke. Right. We will we will move on. I think Tim and Tim's Tim and I have figured out a way to overcome the, the delay problem, and that is to write whether or not Tim wants to contribute in the comments, which is actually that's a very successful says, and clever me. way. Yeah, but that's that's really I wouldn't have thought of doing that. That shows that, that Tim is clever and I would just struggle on with great big silences. So thank you for that. I will I will move on um, and talk about the next one. Which is, I mean, who are these people? Never heard of either of them. Um, this is, oh, this is nice. This is over on post status. I was talking about post status. Was it with you earlier this yeah. week, Paul? Yeah. yeah. Post status has been going for absolutely ages and they do a, a boatload of stuff. They've got podcasts, they've got a load of content. Um, and they produce a, an amazing newsletter each and every week, which I consume. And, uh, and they had somebody on the show this week 
Um, she Michelle looks familiar. Pichette. Yes, she does. <laughs> it, 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 in fact, it, it, I'm just looking around. No, not everybody sat in the same chairs this week, but uh, there, there, there you are. Tell us about this. We've had, um, we've mentioned it before. Uh, I don't think you were on, maybe you were on the show that day, but just to reiterate, tell us about why you were talking to Corey this week and the project that you've got going on. Sure. So underrepresented in tech is specifically about helping people who are in underrepresented groups uh, be found and be able to participate in, in projects and on find jobs and things like that. So it's a beautiful database where people who are underrepresented can put themselves into the database. It's free, of course. We want people to be in there. And there's, uh, it's not just about people of color, but of course, absolutely people of color as well. But there's lots of ways that people can be underrepresented in technology, including you know, aging out, so to speak. And I'm in my 50s. I'm a woman in my 50s. I'm kind of a rare breed in technology. And so yeah, the gray hair, yes, absolutely. I could point to mine, but I color it. So Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the whole idea is that um, people like yourself, right? And like me and my with my podcast, I can search the database and I can find more diversity to bring voices from other groups that are just myself to be included and to be heard. Because the more diversity we have, the more representation we have, the richer the experience for everybody who participates. So anybody who's listening, um, if you're building a product and you have more people you know, coming in uh, on the design side of things, you're getting better perspective and you're getting a richer experience for everybody. So the whole idea behind underrepresented in tech is being able to do that. And one of the things that I talked about, actually, we have a vlog now, so we're not actually putting content out through uh, podcasting, but on the vlog every week, Allie and I just have open discussion about whatever topics. And last week, Allie was actually under the weather. She'd had her vaccination and was having the reaction that so many of us have right after that. And I had two uh, female podcasters join me and talk about how to get on a podcast. So as you know, and as I know, people are constantly, I have so many people lined up. Tim, I interviewed several weeks ago. His episode still isn't out on WP Coffee Talk because I have a backlog of things I'm trying to put out there. I promise Tim it's coming. But uh, so I'm not necessarily in, in needing to go out and ask people to be on the podcast. So if you want to be on a podcast, there are ways to do that. And we talk all about that in underrepresentedintech.com because we do want to have better representation of the people who are in our community in the spotlight of things like podcasts, blogging, um, on stage and events and speaking and things like that. And so that's what underrepresented in tech is all about. We don't charge to be in the database. We don't charge to search the database. We don't even we don't even know who's searching the database and who's contacting whom because we're not gatekeeping any of that information. We did recently offer a for sale services, which is that we will help you uh, look at your your career page on your website and see if it really speaks to diversity and really is inviting. We're offering marketing services and things like that. And of course, we are charging for those because we have to honor our time. But the primary purpose behind the project is for people to be found, to put themselves into the database, to set, list those things that they're interested in, and then let people who are looking for people in, the, in that space be invited through. And all of that is always going to be free. Thank you very much. What a valuable, mm -hmm. what a valuable project and um Thank you. yeah so you can go and check the link out in the show notes mm. um two of my favorite people in wordpress uh cory and, and michelle and uh. cory as well is always been to me uh kind of a a um someone someone i kind of look up to in wordpress for his uh 
openness to bring to the table the um the the, the difficult and uh, conversations and he's carrying you know and and now he's getting involved in this conversation with michelle as well i haven't actually watched that interview yet but i did i did watch your last uh, vlog you know with the with the other two podcasters and i found that very interesting um but i am going to watch this and but it's also the whole thing has been transcribed as well so you can just read it as an interview if you um if you want to as well but how is the whole project going i mean that you do i mean i guess you're not like you said michelle you're not really um measuring it at the moment which is fine you know no one says that you've got to do that you're just putting mm -hmm. you're just putting it out there and, and hoping but do you get much feedback from from people that you're helping at yeah. the moment so give live that we do at give wp mm. we now have a co-host for that that uh, matt cromwell found through our database and so we have um we have that i know that um ken elliott has reached out to me and said that he's been on i think it was hallway chats actually because they found him through our database and so yes we do know anecdotally it's working of course not everybody gives us that feedback um and the database is growing there's almost 70 people in there now that can be searched uh, we would love for people to put themselves in there who are interested because i mean sorry guys if you're just white gentlemen who have no underrepresented qualities you are barred from being included but you're already represented quite a bit in our in our circles and in our community but the whole idea is to bring um, more richness and more diversity of course can i am um, prompted by tim in the chat I'm, i want to um to, to say you know thank you he's doing he's doing a great job over on the chat telling me telling me a lot of the things that i should I think, mention I think we, tim is the producer this yeah week. he's doing it's great we need tim on he's every like, week he's like do. in your ear but you yeah know, don't forget to say this <laughs> visually yeah, brilliant we need <laughs> to do good. this more often i'd forgotten what tim has remembered and that is to say that um you were going to mention the the opening um of oh. the on the big orange heart side weren't you do you want to give us the, yeah. give us the details about that Yep, so Big Orange Heart, there's a lot going on there right now, uh, and we are launching the next WordFest. So if you remember, we had WordFest back in January, which was a 24-hour celebration of WordPress with lots of speakers. We are doing that again in July. <laughs> I'm struggling to remember the date. I think it's July 23rd. Yes, July 23rd, and it will be another 24-hour WordFest. And we are going to be opening the call for speakers, call for sponsors, volunteers, all of that will be open very soon. Uh, we are still working out some final details as we are actually um, transitioning to be a U.S. charity instead of, and moving away from the U.K. charity just for uh, reach and, and financial uh, purposes. Since most of our donors, a lot of our donors come from the U.S. and are looking for the ability to have a tax benefit to giving. And so there's, and there's a lot more to it, of course, than that, but we are absolutely looking at a lot of those things. And as those I get ironed out, we're able to launch this. You can register your interest now. If you register your interest, you of course will be notified when all of those things are opened up. Thank you. So that's, um, if you go to wordfest.live, um, you'll be able to see and put it in the diary, 23rd of July, uh, 2021. So it's it's gonna be, in it's both speakers and sponsors at this point, is it? Right, so that will be open very soon. Speaker sponsors and call for volunteers, I believe we're gonna open shortly after that as well. Thank you, thank you very much. Can okay, I, so, can I add yeah. to that actually? Mm -hmm. uh, just to anyone who's never like done a talk or anything like that before, but has this feeling that they would love to, to try, but nervous about it, just um, submit application to, to get involved and be a speaker because I just can't tell you the, 
I just cannot tell you the uh, opportunities that can come out of doing these things that you would just not expect and the people that you would meet. So, and, and I, I spoke eventually at WordFest uh, live last time. I dropped out, then I came back in and, and Nathan did a fireside chat live interview with me. So that was interesting because, mm -hmm. uh, and a, a little, little story on that was that I had all my notes laid out all over my table, <laughs> sticky notes everywhere, right? And I knew exactly, you know, the, the order of things I was going to say. And Nathan, as he does, said something funny, made me laugh. And all my notes just blew off the table. I was like, <laughs> suddenly there's a moment in the talk where my eyes just widen. But even even from that talk, I know, so, I know some actual opportunities that have turned up as a result of doing that. Mm -hmm. Stuff that you just don't expect. And um, yeah. so, and no, you, you haven't got to go and stand on a physical stage because it's online and you can pre-record it and if you go and look at the different talks you will see that there's people you know don't have the expectation that everyone's got like a studio or something there because people are just doing their talks with a powerpoint presentation and a webcam and it's all about just the content if you've got something mm -hmm. good to share it, you don't have to think oh it's not going to be as good as this person's thing or anything like that just just if you've got something good to share apply and you never know what uh, might might happen yeah because it was it wasn't a fun <laughs> moment when my notes flew off the table. I was actually I, quite surprised that you somewhere. didn't just say, can I just go and pick them up? But we probably would have spent <laughs> three minutes many. putting them all back into the too many. Too many. Note to self, put them in a like a like a laminated folder or something for next time. <laughs> well, they were supposed to stick to the desk. Yeah. Yeah. They were supposed <laughs> to stick to the desk, but they didn't because the you know when the post-it notes have kind of bent yes mm -hmm. oh yeah the and, other wind uh, catches so as underneath. a result of that they, they weren't sticking to the desk and I'll, I'll pull up a photo in a minute of it if i can find it but well i i am the, the speaker the organizer for speakers and i have a deputy this time we we've all got other people so we have some redundancy in case anything happens to one of us uh, megan rose from northeast ohio she's one of the um, organizers for WordCamp Northeast Ohio. She also is working with me on the speakers. And this time we're also introducing um, wellness talks. And so uh, specific times every um, continent for uh, wellness talks. And we're also going to be doing lightning talks and we're going to be interviewing WordPress community members. So we're introducing different ways to be involved. So, you know, I love Lovely. that you said that, Paul, because if you um, if you've never done it before and like the idea of doing a half hour talk is a little overwhelming, then think about a lightning talk or volunteer to be interviewed and talk about what you're doing in WordPress. I can guarantee anyone who does a lightning talk thinking, well, that's too long will be kind of running out of time by the end of their talk thinking, I've got much more to say here. I found a photo of my uh, notes on the table. Oh my uh, goodness. There yes. you go. That, that That's, presumably is pre the that enormous was before expellation I, of air. I laughed through my nose and blew them all off the table. So <laughs> oh. yeah, careful. Live, live is always, live is always Power. dangerous as we found out today. Powerful lungs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know now, Tim, where we go with this. Do I actually read your words in the comments as if you're saying them? So, Tim, Tim is now saying, Tim, you seem to be in sync with me now, though, because you shrugged at the exact yeah. moment that I said it. So you you can go for it now if you wish. Okay. Well, I may or may not be in sync. But um, as someone who has done far too many talks, Lightning talks are much harder. So if you are, in fact, going to do a talk, 
don't think doing a lightning talk is the easy version. You're basically going to try and do a full talk and do it in six minutes. That's almost impossible. You so just go and put yourself in for a real for a full talk. Jump in, you will enjoy it. I promise. Michelle will make sure that you enjoy it. She's got, <laughs> you know, she will make sure you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I will enjoy it. Very supportive. Like if you are worried about something, you can contact the Big Orange Heart team, the Wordfest team. And say, you know, I'm panicking about this talk or something. And, mm-hmm. and they were helping. We actually had somebody who had submitted a talk and uh, she was open about it. So Chris Ford submitted a talk and she was struggling to actually record her talk. Um, you know, we, she has anxiety, like I have anxiety. And that was one of the things that was causing her anxiety. So I reached out to her. I said, what if we did it as a, as a conversation? And I asked you questions. And so we recorded that. So I, I got on with her. I recorded it. She was able to say the things she wanted to say without the stress of sitting in front of it and, and filming a talk. So there's lots of ways that we can facilitate um, your sharing of information through a talk without it necessarily being overwhelming to create a PowerPoint and present it to the camera and pre-record it that way. And Tim, to speak to the idea of sometimes a lightning talk is harder, at least when, you re- when you're recording them, as opposed to trying to do it live and you realize you've run out of time, when you record it, you do have the opportunity to make sure that you're succinct and that you can fit it all in. So there is that. Uh, I mean, Tim's He's just nodding. nodding. Is, that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. Um, okay, I'm going to move to the last piece because we really have uh, used up a very large amount of time, and um, this is this is one. I am so caught by this piece. I don't really know what to make of it. This is on WP Tavern again. It's by Sarah Gooding. It's called. So it kind of falls under the umbrella of security, really. Zerodium temporarily triples payouts to 300,000 uh, sorry 300 yeah $300,000 for WordPress exploits just read that again $300,000 for WordPress exploits now Serodium is one of these businesses that well I kind of wish it didn't exist but I can see why it exists they're a kind of marketplace if you're an, an expert hacker and you are able to um, to let's say, gain access to the Android OS or iOS or Mac OS or Windows or whatever it may be, you can choose to go two, well, two or three routes with that. You could um, you could deliver that vulnerability to the vendor and give them the appropriate 90 days or something and ask them to fix it. Or you could go to Zerodium and get paid a boatload of cash so that they can sell it to anybody. Um, and you've got to assume that the anybody doesn't have our best interests at heart. So I don't really know why they've suddenly decided that they're going to uh, an exploit on WordPress. And I think basically this is a vanilla install of WordPress. Um, Tim can probably fill us in. I'm sure he's got more detail than I have. But the idea that so it's that is worth 300,000. Sorry, Tim, Which you take it. Oh, no, now that's really confusing because Paul told me to say type now and then you kept on talking. Okay, I'm going to start again. Zerodium, basically buy and sell uh, vulnerabilities. Tripling it to 300,000, just think about that for a second. 40% of the web, if you've got a a hack that could take over 40% of the web, 300,000 is cheap. Yeah, good point. That's seriously cheap. You could just take over any WordPress website that's going to cut you. So from that perspective, it, it doesn't sound so bad. We're also talking about vanilla install with no plugins, no themes. 
we, you cannot have an ad, a, any user account on that site get in. That's hard. Let's even, even if we're talking about the um, XXE exploit that we were talking about earlier, that required you to at least set up your site in such a way as to allow a, someone from the front end to upload an MP3 file. That wouldn't have qualified for this bounty. It has to be something where they can literally drop the payload and get straight in. Um, as for why it's now 300,000, well, I'm sure there are plenty of good, bad, well, I don't think there's any good actors, but it's plenty of bad actors and state actors who would love to have access to all those WordPress websites. So, you know, everything from the White House's website through to lots of medical research sites. And these are, they're not necessarily even aiming to target the WordPress website itself. They're just using that as a door into them pivot to other information. If you think of things like the Panama Papers hack, which was right. got, supposedly got by an exploit in WordPress that allowed them access to get enough information for, to get onto the a secondary server, which then allowed them access to all that information. Similar thing could happen here. You've got um, vaccine research is a good example where you can imagine that there that some AstraZeneca with their nice front face WordPress facing website gets hacked. The marketing person's uh, credentials gets leaked onto pivots onto their SharePoint server. And next thing, a rogue nation now has that data. I picked that at random. I have no idea whether AstraZeneca has a WordPress website etc cetera, etc cetera. but you can see why it would set that that how much is that now worth to them if they know that that's one of their routes in if you're a a, a rogue nation are you willing to pay three hundred thousand? of course you are mm. are you willing to pay a million dollars to get access to that sort of information probably 10 million 20 so you can yeah it's cheap this is the scary part of that as for should yeah. the company exist it is always going to exist i just don't you don't want to know about it. You, this idea of a grey market, you don't want this. But you know that if it wasn't this company, it would be another company. I am. Um, the fact have that they, I wonder, do they pay tax? <laughs> that would, yeah, I very much doubt it. The the exploits for I think Android. Certainly, Sarah in the article mentioned that if you can get into Android, then it's two and a half million. I think it was. Um, obviously, you know, that everybody's walking around with Android in their pockets. There's probably an awful lot of data to be had there. But I, I'm, I'm assuming that this price is is reflective of, of the double-fronted marketplace that they must operate. In other words, they've got people coming to them saying, we will pay you X if you can deliver us WordPress on a platter. And then they turn around and say to the, the hacker community that they've got in their in their um, you know in their community, well, we're going to make it three hundred thousand because we've got a boatload of people just waiting to pay us for it. So you can only imagine if somebody does manage to do that exact task, um, I'm sure Zerodium will be rubbing their hands together for a payday much much bigger than three hundred thousand. But man alive! Oh. They also can share that to multiple companies. So yep. once they've got that, once they've got that exploit, they're the people in charge of it for distributing it. So they can then start distributing it out to multiple actors. Um, they they will also the person who you know they're saying, hey, we're gonna uh, we'll take three hundred thousand, give you three hundred thousand for this exploit. That's not what they're selling it for. Yes, they may yes. well be selling that on at two, three, four million. Yes. 
Ah, we're all in the wrong business, aren't we? We, we are. should all. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, Tim probably could go and work for Zerodium, but uh, has decided to do the right Maybe thing. Maybe Tim and... does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tim. Yeah. I, bug bounties are... Bug bounties are a, a, a legitimate business, though. There are things like Hacker One exist. Right. Uh, WordPress, in fact, has a bug bounty scheme yeah. on Hacker One. So there, there is legitimate ways where you actually report the bugs to the organisation whose bug it is, and then they can fix it. And so, uh, it, so Rodium is a gives bug bounties a bad reputation, which is unfortunate yeah. because bug bounties is a very effective tool in helping us find vulnerabilities so uh don't yeah and the security researchers themselves the problem is that they're going to be surely tempted if you're sitting there going i have found this critical vulnerability of wordpress yes i will get some fame from you know saying hey here, here's the vulnerability and i might get some money from having a vulnerability in wordpress but it's not going to be masses amount or i could get three hundred thousand and a ni nice new house that is a moral dilemma that is well unfortunate if you end up with it um and I, I suspect quite a few of us would publicly state that no no i would never sell to them and then privately their uh, their other halves may be asking why exactly are you not selling to them it's a life-changing amount of money nigel makes a really good point in the uh, yeah, in the comments he says comment. might be a lot easier to plant sleeper agents we've never said the word sleeper agents on this podcast we're getting a bit dark but i'm loving it um might be a lot easier <laughs> to plant sleeper agents as core contributors and wait for an opportunity to sneak in vulnerabilities matt mullenweg has been waiting for this day he is in fact the dark lord and he's been he's been building this project to get to his, his target is 50 percent of the internet and then he's just going to take it all down now um, i need to now i need to wonder though if we need to worry about nigel <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nigel, Nigel knows. Uh, yeah, that's interesting, though. Good grief, the plot thickens. Um, I, I'm sure. I'm sure Nigel's not the first person to have that idea, though. I mean, sure. You know, the, us getting a, doing our kind of selling our time for money. You know, while these people making, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the people involved in things like Zerodium are just thinking on a different different logical way than we are about how you know how you get things done and how you how you achieve your, your goals and everything so yeah, it's just a really interesting and i'm now frightened of what it, is what is going on in wordpress it's a proper <laughs> career path if you are good at yeah. hacking and you can turn up to these hacking you know pwn to own and things the people who the teams should i say who manage to i don't know get out of chrome sandbox and things and then on the next day they do something else and then on the day after that they do something else they walk away with millions well not millions but certainly hundreds of thousands and then next year they turn up and do it all again it's a, an actual career it's I, I like the idea of doing those festivals though where it's on display and everybody gets to to see what's happened this all seems a bit bit dark and murky let's hope one day i shouldn't say this out loud because somebody will come and hack our set. let's hope that one day zerodium gets hacked and uh we'll see see how see how they like that uh expunge that from the record i never said it i don't want bad things to happen to me <laughs> right <laughs> on that bombshell i think we're done we've had well over to one and a half hours um we normally do a quick, 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 super quick thing at the end where we just say if anything's happening to us this week. So I'll start with you, Paul. Anything going on? 
two major things. One of them is finishing off my talk that is late for the pagebuildersummit.com. Is it pagebuildersummit.com? It is. Yeah. 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 There it is. And uh, so I can't wait to finish that off. And then the other major important thing in my life is I've got a new set of blinds down there to put up in the next few days. It's exciting stuff this window. over at the Lacey household. But thank you for your contributions to the summit. This is my window. This is my blinds at the moment. This piece of cardboard. <laughs> oh, it's doing yeah. good duty. I'd say so that's pretty much enough. Now. That's what happens. Oh, yeah, it's better. Look. It's oh. better without the piece of cardboard, actually. So yeah, yeah. Um, so big stuff Tim, happening. What's happening to you this week? So this week I have a uh, hacked workshop. So I'm doing a workshop where we're going through how to fix hack sites, how to identify them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, there's still a space left. If some, one one more person wants to come and join us, uh, ooh, details ooh. are up on my site. But that's what, tell us. pretty much me. I'm now deep into the weeds of that. Um, Tim, in the comment, the little private chat, will you put the URL where somebody could go and subscribe to that? By the way, we should say it's, it's sponsored by Zerodium. Tim Nash. Sponsored by Zerodium. <laughs> <laughs> it's not sponsored by Zerodium. Um, uh, if you put it in the chat, I'll, I'll mention it and put it in the show notes because we'd like to get that space filled. We don't want one empty space on that, do we? And Michelle. Well, first, how come when Paul took the cardboard out of his window, suddenly Tim had light in his face? I don't understand that connection. But, I noticed um... that too. That <laughs> yeah, was that so bizarre. Weird. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Tim. Sorry I'm not I'll put it back up in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if Nathan knows, but I believe I'm going to be speaking at the Page Builder Summit because I'm working with Weeglot, and I think I'm going to be presenting on their behalf. Oh, (laughs) nice bit of synchronicity there. Thank you. That is good to know. I need to put that together. I'm working with um, Tomas from Weeglot, so I'm sure you'll be hearing from them about that soon. And great uh, to know. Yeah, and other than that, I'm working on several different um, blog posts this week for Big Orange Heart, for Post Status, for GiveWP, and on my own um, website, Works by Michelle. Wow, there's a lot happening. I'm just going to be editing video this week for the for the you know the summit. I thing, like so I like how you say just like that doesn't take loads and buckets of time. Actually, <laughs> do you know what do you know what it is? It there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Mac fan action. That's what I'm going to say. I was saying to <laughs> Tim before we began, I've got a fairly old Mac. It's not 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 prehistoric, but it's pretty old. It could do with an upgrade. And so when I render the videos, basically. It, the fan comes on and the, for the next two weeks my fan will be really blowing a hurricane um in this room but um yeah hopefully hopefully it'll be all be worth it right that's it do join us next week i can't tell you who's on next week because i can't remember but it'll be um it'll be me and paul and a couple of other people but it's been very nice having you again sorry about the technical difficulties to those people listening and particularly to tim who's had to put up with the the horrible lag at least there wasn't an echo echo and uh he's shrugging so that's good he's not he's not it's not too bad now we reach that moment in the show where we have to awkwardly wave as i press the end broadcast button with no conception of how long it's going to take for the show to end could be two (laughs) seconds could be 20 seconds so let's wave and i'll say goodbye goodbye